advancing the school PR pipeline. Are you hiring? Maybe you're looking to get hired into a higher position yourself. How do we promote the field of school PR? A fascinating panel discussion with several school PR pros. We're talking that and a little bit of Masters Golf right now on the School PR Podcast. Advocating for public education, sharing our stories, and celebrating our schools, students, teachers, and staff. From crisis communications to media relations, social media, and everything in between, we're here to give you the best strategies, tools, and techniques to help educators help our kids. Welcome to the School PR Podcast, brought to you by Nichols Strategies. And now, here's your host, Ryan Ferran. Hello, friends. That's my tribute to Jim Nance, the Masters. Wow, did anyone watch that? Pretty intriguing theater over the weekend if you're a golf fan. John Rahm coming down the stretch looking good. Amazing victory for him. Seems like an amazing guy. Wife, young kid was there. Fascinating theater. The wind, the rain, the trees that fell down. Oh my goodness, how nobody was hurt by that. Pretty good golf tournament. Did anyone see that? I did. I was glued. Well, on and off throughout the throughout the weekend, really good stuff. And how about lefty Phil Mickelson on fire down the stretch goes seven under in his final round and ties for second with Kepka, who had the lead four shot lead going into Sunday and ends up losing by four shots. Pretty good stuff at Augusta. Has anyone ever been to Augusta? That is kind of one of those bucket list things, but fascinating tournament. If any uh, golf fans out there and the amateur, wow, he had such a good, <laughs> good week at Augusta. So young, I think he's what, 20? Finished tied for 16th, but he was in contention on Sunday. All right, enough Masters talk, but it was really good stuff, and I was just watching highlights, so. Had to chime in about that. We are talking about advancing the school PR pipeline. This is actually a webinar I did with Enspra, a panel with uh, Michelle Ewing. She's a professor at the School of Media and Journalism at Kent State University in Ohio. So it was actually really intriguing and I think very beneficial to have higher education insights in on this discussion and what they're doing at that level, PR-wise, journalism. So. I was uh, happy to hear from her and some of her insights as well. And David Smith was on the panel, and he's a really bright mind out of Kansas, and he's a chief communications officer, and he has some really good hiring ideas and concepts that you could borrow, and definitely I would listen to him and uh, his expertise, what he shares. And uh, the moderator was Barbara Hunter. She is amazing and kind of led this discussion. So it really was more like a discussion and it was kind of popping back and forth. And she asked us some really intriguing questions. I talked a lot about my internship. That's kind of what they wanted my perspective on. And I think I (laughs) surprised some with how much leeway we give our interns and how much control they get to have over our social media and some of the projects they create. So we Dove deep into that, which was really cool. 
and I think people were kind of interested in that. Coming up, we're going to do a webinar on our internship. So if you're in our National Communications Internship Collab group, look for that. If you want to listen in on that webinar, you can join up for that group and we'll get you signed up. There is a link in previous descriptions or reach out and we'll get you enrolled in the group and you can chat in on that webinar and then i'll be doing a mental health webinar with sound mind talking about mental health in schools and how you can support as a school pr professional what things you can do to help with the mental health crisis in our schools and some resources you can provide and things you can do to have a direct impact on mental health so that is really cool it'll be travis from sound mind one of the founders and I think a neuroscientist from his team talking about mental health and the connection between music and mental health. So it's really, they're doing some high level stuff. They're in a bunch of school districts already. So excited to be on that panel and breaking news. The school PR podcast is on Instagram. Check us out at school PR podcast. Also on Twitter, you can find me on LinkedIn and we have a Facebook group as well. You can join links in the show description, but we're posting clips of the shows and kind of brief summaries and highlights on our Instagram at school PR podcast. So if you want a shorter version to see if you want to dive in deep or just connect with us on Instagram, check us out. And without any further ado, we will take a listen into this Inspira webinar. I think you'll enjoy it. And a huge thanks to Melissa for organizing this. She is amazing at Enspera and Barbara, they're just so great to work with. They're doing so many things as far as professional de development and these webinars. So check out Enspera.org. They always have something coming up that you can learn. It's uh, 45 minute hour webinars and they have a lot of them and they have so many resources. So I know a lot of us are in our state Spras, but also really Enspera has so many resources. And uh, over the years, they just keep getting better and better and more value for your membership. So I'd encourage you to check out Ensper.org if you're not a member. And most of these webinars, this one, if you're an Ensper member, was free. So check out Ensper.org. All right, here we go. For Kent State's award-winning chapter of the Public Relations Student Society of America and enjoys working with her School of Media and Journalism colleagues to help prepare students for successful careers. We are just thrilled to have you, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Next, we have Ryan Foran, the Chief Communications Officer from the Arcadia Unified School District in California. Ryan and his team most recently won a Golden Achievement Award for their Digital Communications Internship Program. So that's gonna be really cool to hear about that in a minute. And by the way, Ryan is also host of the popular podcast called School PR. Finally, I'm delighted to introduce David Smith, Chief Communications Officer from the Shawnee Missions, Mission School District in Kansas. David brings over 20 years of experience in school communications and is gonna share with, the, with us some of the things he looks for when hiring a school PR candidate. So uh, for those of you who are returners uh, to the uh, Leaders Learn webinar, we're going to be using the Thought Exchange tool, as you know, in a few minutes to dig deeper into the specific topics you would like our guests to respond to. Uh, and we'll use this feedback to guide the rest of our conversation, which will promptly conclude at 1 p.m. So there's a lot to tackle in this hour, so let's get started. 
In recent years, especially during and after the pandemic, we have seen more and more new faces in school communications as districts recognize the importance of having someone in this role, which is a really good thing. While this is really good news, we have also noticed an uptick in others leaving school PR for jobs in different fields, which is not so great news. We're interested in learning how NSPRA and our members can help increase the visibility and awareness of school public relations as a career, as well as continue to demonstrate the value it brings to school districts and the communities they serve. So I am so excited to um, have this first question for Michelle, because um, this might be one of the few times we've actually had a uh, college professor on our um, webinar show. So I'm going to start with, with you, Michelle, since college has been traditionally the beginning of the school PR pipeline. So I understand you have done some extensive research in developing a new generation of PR leaders. Uh, can you share with us what are some of your major research findings? Sure. So the study you're referring to is a study I collaborated with another research partner and the Planck Center for Leadership and Public Relations. They helped fund the study. And it was in 2019. And just really quickly, what we did was we looked at uh, undergraduate programs across the United States that were accredited and how they were how they were teaching leadership. Was it in classes or was it through outside you know ex experiences? So we looked at their websites. And then we interviewed um, educators of, of those programs. So, so first of all, does this define leadership? Because that's what we always begin with in our study. Okay, what, you know, what are we talking about? And, and how they define leadership in public relations is having a vision of how to move an organization forward or a cause forward, um, learning how to motivate team members to help lead that cause and help help them grow um, and help them understand, um, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, as well as ethical practice of public relations. And then, of course, um, project management and moving those projects forward. In terms of skills, like so develop leadership skills, so we, we wanted to know, well, so what do we as educators need to do with our college PR graduates? Um, three key skills they defined as uh, effective leadership. Number one, active listening skills, listening to others, understanding what they're sharing, saying, and then creating that, what we do in PR, you know, creating that bridge between our audiences and other audiences or have it maybe with, with leaders or community. <clears throat> number two, conflict management. Mm -hmm. And number three, change management skills. And of course, those, those skills uh, go across industries. But I think, you know, I'm thinking about K through 12 public relations. Um, I did a little research before this pre presentation and talked to one of our professors that, that leads um, our education program for um, student teaching. And she actually places the teachers in school systems. Uh -huh. um, and she was telling me how um, one of her challenges is selling education these days, similar to maybe what you're, which, which, what you're, what you're doing. And it's because of multiple issues, but what's going on in K through 12 with, you know, all the, the, the challenges. And maybe we'll get into that with safety issues, DNIE related issues, now the curriculum issues, the government interfering with curriculum. So all these issues. And I, and I thought about these skills and I thought, wow, if, if, if we need more public relations and communicators in K through 12 more than ever now, because they're the ones that maybe can help you know, address and build bridges with these conflicts and reach some kind of compromise. So it, it was it was kind of eye-opening having that conversation with her. Uh, in terms of, uh, so, so how do we develop these leaders and these skills? 
Um, one was we need to train our faculty to, to, to actually focus on leadership mm-hmm. across the curriculum. You can't just have like one, one leadership class or having to do one ex, you know, experiential um, experience and expect them to become leaders. It has to be, a, it has to be across, you know, across the curriculum. Um, we also need to think about in terms of giving them experiences to lead. So in college, it could be like with the, that organization, the, the Public Relations Student Side of America. It could be with student media. It could be with other <coughs> student organizations. Um, internship <coughs> opportunities, you all can help with that, with internship opportunities, job shadowing, whatever, giving them a chance to, 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 to do the work, to lead teams, to lead projects. But also what's really important is to, to get comfortable with failing because leaders do fail. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes our, my students can be very paralyzed by, I'm going to make a mistake. And so whenever I bring a peer professional in to talk to my students, I always have this standard question is, tell the students about when you made a mistake in your career. Mm-hmm. And you can just see their faces. They're like, oh, that happened to you? And you're, and you're, you know? So, so teaching them you know, that leaders do fail, and actually good leaders fail because they're, they're, they're risk takers. <clears throat> um, in terms of other relevant um, findings would be fail or failure. We talked about that, assessing <clears throat> leadership opportunities. But overall, this, 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 um, the idea that you need to be very intentional about leadership, and you can lead in different ways. You're not just, you, it's not just being like the leader of the organization. It could be leader of a project. It could be leader of an initiative. But just leading in different, different, different ways, and in, and helping helping students to get comfortable with leading. Because sometimes my students will say, "Well, I'm not, a, I'm not a leader. I'm a, I'm a good worker. I'm not a, le-, you know." But give them right. comfortable. What do you mean by leadership? You no. Know? Right. Get others to work with you. That's leadership, you know. So just educating a little bit about what leadership means. Now, um, before we jumped on, uh, Michelle, you shared you have been at Kent State for how many years? Nineteen years. Nineteen years. Do you see a difference in the skill set of um, students entering the PR program uh, today versus hmm. ten, fifteen years ago, or or, or the needs? pretty much the same over time. I don't think I, I don't think I've seen a, a difference in skill set skills. What, what I've noticed more is, is a difference in interest. A lot of um, uh-huh. my students um, these days want to do very meaningful work, which is uh-huh. good for you. Um, they want their instrument causes, social justice right. issues, right. Um, other causes. So I've seen a, a transition to that, that type of work and those, okay. those type of internships too. Um, the skills are, you know, you're still going to be a good writer, a good critical thinker, a good problem solver. Those aren't going to, those aren't going to change. Um, I would like to see more diversity. And we continue, 19 years ago, we worked on that. We're, and we, we continue to work on that. Yeah. And I, I want to talk to you all about that because I think you said that, you know, the pipeline starts in, I really think the pipeline starts with you all because you have, you have impact on those teachers that you're, you're working, working with and, and opening their eyes up to public relations. So, so really, I don't think the skill set has changed. Um, as much now, of course, the technology part of it, I guess we have to teach right. that, and, so, and and a lot of our students now come with much more advanced <clears throat> technology skills. I should I should I think about that, um, but they still have to still have, we still have to teach them to be good writers and good critical thinkers. Yeah, Does that answer well, your question. Yeah, I, I love that, and I can't think of a greater mission focus than public education. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this might be our opportunity to shepherd some more people into that pipeline. Very good. Yeah, thank you. Um, Ryan, uh, so th- you, I, I just am so excited to hear about, uh, this program that you have because this is, this starts before college. Like you are developing, um, your, the school PR pipeline from, uh, high school students. So tell us a little bit about your internship program for high school students. 
Yeah, Barbara, I actually love what Michelle said, talking about students, have them lead projects, um, be leaders of teams and all that. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. So we've started an internship program with our high school students about seven years ago. And full disclosure, it was very selfish, selfishly motivated because I was like, get here, you have all these great stories, all these great events, you want to tell those stories and brand your school district, but how do you, how do you get everywhere at one place? So started researching internship programs and just said like, let's do this. We have amazing high school students here. So we started it with just one student. Now I have over 24 students with, with me in our public information office. And it kind of, it has evolved over the years. So as Michelle said, you really need to give them those leadership opportunities lead a group, lead a project. So now we have team managers, we have student managing editors who manage the managers. Um, we really expose them to the field. If we get press passes for the Rose Parade or a big event, we, we have them going. We had the president of Hungary, who's a former student of us, uh, ours exchange student years ago, come back wanting to visit. So I made sure our interns are there, have access to her, can interview, do videos. So we really kind of created this win-win. Um, last year alone, we kind of we dove into the data too to really see the impact this is having. Uh, my interns covered 198 events in our district just with photography, not to mention podcasts, videos, and news articles they write because we have all those teams. And so you think about a, over 200 events and we only have 183 school days the impact that is for us and for them. Uh, last year, we also created our first ever district magazine that was all student led. So we've never done a magazine before. Uh, the articles are by the students, the graphic design, the layout, the formatting, all by students. And I, I love the university approach Michelle's taking. And honestly, I believe some of our students in our own schools are better graphic designers, photographers, editors than we'll ever be. Um, they're there. They just need access to tap into that pipeline. And so we even taken these young as freshmen. Some of them stay with me for four years and they are now matriculating. And one student uh, a few years ago, Sarah Wang, she applied as a sophomore, no experience. And at the time we had a second secretary position. She was just, I'm going to go for that because we're kind of competitive now. Not all kids get in. So she applied to be a secretary. I was so impressed with her application, her thoughtfulness, how detailed it was, and just her passion to want to get involved and help her community. So I said, need to take her. She has none of these skills, but it's amazing. She was so ambitious. The light bulb went off for her. She became our student managing editor, went to UCLA, studied communications and media, has had, since had uh, internships at TikTok, Warner Brothers, and she's now um, a project manager at Microsoft after graduating from UCLA. So it's definitely possible. It's just creating the opportunity for those students. That's such an amazing success story. And while we have you, check out soundmind.app if you're looking to get some mental health programs in your school, your school district. They're doing amazing thing with music and mental health and working with students to alleviate anxiety, depression, and the like. Check them out, soundmind.app. We also have a podcast with Travis and Brian talking about their whole program, what they do, and the beats, and all that stuff. It's really high level, and it is amazing. And Nickel Strategies, check them out, nickelstrategies.com. If you need help hiring, 
or with some projects, you're in a crisis, they have an amazing team over there. So if you have no comms people or you have one, two, and you need some help, check out the team at nickelstrategies.com. They're always there to help you. How do you track how many of your high school students go on to have careers uh, in communications? Yeah, or, it's a good point. I stay in touch with them. And one thing we do for the internships, it's non-paid. So we try to give them as much uh, benefit mm -hmm. as they can get. So we have uh, partnerships with the local newspaper. So our students are getting uh, articles and bylines in our local papers as sophomores in high school. We have a partnership with USC, so we, we get to bring them to do college workshops at the USC campus all the time. Um, and so every semester, uh, the end of the fall semester, we have a party to celebrate the semester. We bring our alumni back. And so we invite them all back. I stay in touch with them through email and Facebook and all that. And they do an alumni panel for the current interns and talk about college. And now some of them are graduated college and giving them work experience uh, one of our interns was giving a very real life uh, lesson on uh, happy hours and golfing after work and where those are <laughs> those are the relationships so we're really built after the uh, everyone clocks off and cocktail hour I was starting to sweat a little bit but it was like <laughs> the, these are the life lessons that you know you're going to experience and that's where relationships are built so yeah I track as many as possible not all of them go into our field but I tell them look even if you don't go into this field um, the skills you have, whether you're accountant, doctor, or lawyer, you can raise your hand in your organization. Maybe you're a nonprofit. We need a flyer to promote this very important event. We need a video to promote this. Even if you're not in this field per se, you can help your organization big time, help yourself move your worth up as well. So their skills. So yeah, we track them all. Not all of them go into PR, but mm -hmm. we try to give them those life skills. That's wonderful. Let me just ask one follow-up question which is probably on the minds of people who are listening. How much time does it take you to manage a program of that size? At or do you have someone who manages that program? Yeah, me and Amber, me and Amber, we manage it. But so what we did, so we started with one intern and over the years we, we grew one year to over 40 students, which was too many. I just couldn't say no, but it, it's too many kids. But at first it was difficult because they go to an event, they take the photos, they send us the caption, we have to upload the photos. But then to Michelle's point, we really started giving them leadership opportunities. Mm -hmm. So now we have social media managers. If you would have told me 10 years ago, wow. I'm gonna have interns manage our district social media, I would have said, you are crazy, there's no mm -hmm. way. But yeah. once you get to know them, you teach them and train them, they are very smart, articulate, and if they make a grammar mistake, I make grammar mistakes too. So we edit it and move on. So we created these leadership positions and roles to give them these opportunities so now they can go to an event, they can write the caption themselves without us having to approve and upload them. So creating these leadership roles has really allowed us to be more hands off and not manage it day to day like we used to. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, thank you so much for sharing. I'm sure we'll have some other questions um, as we move through the webinar. But I want to turn to David. Um, I, can you imagine a, an internship program like that in, in your district? Um, I think I'm starting to get highs. But actually, I mean, it's, it's exciting. But it sounds like there's a lot to it. 
I know. I think just break it down into small steps, and Ryan can probably provide some a template or some guidance uh, around that. But um, but I, I do, David, want to shift gears a little bit and ask you uh, what suggestions um, and advice do you have for districts who may be looking to hire their first communications pro? Or looking to add an additional position, so so now I'm I'm putting the hat on you. You're you're the higher hiring person. Um, what are you looking for, and how does that connect to what you heard from Michelle and Ryan? Yeah, so I do. I appreciate what Michelle and Ryan said about relationships, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell a brief story about how I got into this work, mm-hmm. just to explain why I take the positions that I do in terms of what this work is about. I didn't come from the background that the two of you have with regard to communications or public relations. Um, But prior to starting in a school district, which was more than 20 years ago, I had worked for the State Department of Education and for two national foundations studying the relationship between schools and communities. And I got a call from a superintendent in a community that was struggling with that relationship. And he said, you know, would you come and help or make you an assistant superintendent? Sure, that sounds like a lovely title. My mom would be proud. So I, I joined the district, and I'd been there for a week, and I'd had my wisdom teeth out, and I got a phone call from a reporter, and he said, the district's been unaccredited. Will you talk to us? And it was totally new for me. I, I wasn't sure quite what to do. I go into the superintendent, and I say, what do I do? And he says, look, we don't have enough people working for the district to do the things that we need to do for all of our children. We need the community support. In order to get that support, they need to know what's happening. If they think things are going great, they have no reason to engage. So he said, I want you to go out there and tell the truth. Tell them that we're struggling. Explain that we do have plans to fix it, that it's going to take time, and call on the community to provide support. And that's what I did. And, you know, it it was... Not everybody received it well. The teachers union president called that night and asked why I was blaming teachers for the kids' failure, and I wasn't. But, you know, we kind of worked through that. And what I took from that was that my job is about creating relationships. It's about helping the community to understand what's happening in the schools mm-hmm. and to, to build relationships so that they want to, to come in and support us. So that's always that's always the path that I've taken because I came from a different background. I'm, I'm lucky I'm working in districts where I have support from people who bring with them more technical knowledge. Um, and I, I lean on that support and I lead in ways that, that lift them up and allow them to do what they do well. And I don't try to, to take that piece of it over. Um, but I think that my perspective frequently is to look for people who are communicators in the broad sense of the word, are able to make connections. Um, Some of that is, some of that's technical, and there are lots of technical skills that you need to have, but some of that is, it comes from their backgrounds, and particularly, Michelle, you talked about the issues around diversity. Sometimes that's incredibly important. If you're going to communicate with different communities, coming from diverse backgrounds and bringing diverse experiences to the table can be incredibly important. You know, for, for school districts, and I've, I've had conversations with superintendents who are looking to sort of expand their communications, usually the thing that I start with is 
What's your purpose in communicating? And if we go back then to the idea of building relationships with the community, that can help you in terms of framing, okay, this is both why we need to do it. This is the kind of person that we need to have. The other thing I talk about, and this was something that I was told before I took my first job, but then I've seen along the way how important it is. I bring an education background. So when I'm in those executive leadership meetings, I can have, I can engage in that conversation. Not just how do we communicate, but the what we communicate. What's the work? And how is it that we shape that work? And then how do we communicate about it? And for me, and I was told before I started that if you're not in the room, you won't know. If you don't know, you can't communicate. So you've got to be in the room. And that is because I came not as my first job, but coming with a background, it made sense to put me in that room. And I think that sometimes it's easy to bring on somebody who's young and has the technical skills, but bringing someone into the communications position who can contribute to the conversation and provide leadership across the board around communications, but also around the work. I think for me, that's made a huge difference. And it's always in the districts I've worked, I've always been on that leadership team. And it's really allowed me both to know what the work is and to understand it and to be able to communicate it. Well, such good advice and insight and experience. Thank you so much for sharing. Melissa, I'm gonna toss it to you. Let's run our thought exchange because there's probably a lot on the minds of our folks who are listening. And this thought exchange will allow them to drop in thoughts and comments about what they wanna hear next. While we're waiting for that, hey, Ryan, we need to connect. I wanna recruit your students. There's a beautiful connection. You might have to look at USC though. I was getting goosebumps too, because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, could I have those students in my program? Yeah, for a small fee, I'll send them right your way. Don't worry about it. Oh, that's great. Let me just remind you, you can use a QR code to join the conversation or go to tejoin.com. And we have some people already in there. This is your opportunity to ask questions of the panelists. What would you like to hear next? What topics you wanna delve into a little bit deeper? And we have, and then you can rate other people's thoughts. So whatever rises to the top is where we're gonna go in our conversation. Ryan, do you have a formal partnership with USC? Not really. They actually, uh, they called years ago, they wanted to come film some of their film students and uh, at our high school football game, one of the opposing coaches. So I was talking to them. I said, who kind of leads your department? And long story short, I said, you know, I'd love to do some collaboration. A lot of our kids, they love, we're in LA, so they love USC. It's a big school here. It's kind of their, mm-hmm. one of their dream schools. And uh, so ended up talking with them. They actually do some things with some local high schools in their area, not exactly <clears throat> our demographic, but said, yeah, come out and film. And can we go to your, uh, your college workshop? And so we've been going to them for years. And that's one of the things we try and do. Somebody asked if we pay our interns, we don't. 
but we try to give them a ton of opportunities with real world experience, with partnerships, with the college uh, partnership as well. Um, and we couldn't have 24 interns if we were paying them. We just don't have the money. We'd run out. So, and, and to be honest, not one of my interns over seven years has ever asked for a dime. Oh, wow. It, well, it's looking so good on their college applications, right? Yeah, they use us for, we, we give them lots of pizza parties. We give them a, a uh, certificate of completion after every semester. The superintendent wow. goes to every party, signs their certificates himself. We, let, we write them letters of rec. Um, so the things we kind of do for them, and we, we're giving them their first job. So when they go on college yeah. applications, you know, they already have an internship and they have um, some of that experience. So they've really never asked for anything because I, th I think we do give them a lot. Um, I know there are paid internship models. And uh, quickly, somebody asked about this. So I have a national communications internship collab group I started a few months ago. For, mm -hmm. for districts that have internships and others that are interested in it. So I dropped that link in the chat. Uh, myself and Amber, we're gonna do a presentation on ours in a few weeks, so happy to share more about it. There's, there's a lot to it, um, but uh, there's a lot of districts doing it and using different models through CTE or another way, so happy to share all that as well. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, we have about a half a minute left. Add your thoughts, rank the thoughts that are already in there. We love using this tool for this reason. Yeah, I've never seen it before. I just jotted it down. Yeah. We use Thought Exchange for years in our district. Most We use one annual one for the LCAP, and then we do another one like homework or safety one, and it's you get so much more feedback than you would ever get just doing the in-person meeting. So we're, we're a fan of Thought Exchange. Yeah, it's really rich feedback. We used it when doing our strategic planning. And one of the things that it allowed us to do, because we opened it up to the entire community, is to say this strategic plan, it's not the district's plan, this is the community's plan. And people from across the community have a chance to engage with it. And that was really important for us. Absolutely. Really wonderful use of a the thought exchange tool, the strategic plan. That's great. Okay. So we have some tactical questions here, um, but on, on the minds of folks. So let's go there. Do you double check the social media that interns post prior to it going live, Brian? I used to. I used to have them send me the captions before we posted. I did all that. And some days I'll go days without looking at our Facebook page. If you train them right, you teach them properly, you don't need to worry about that. If something ever is amiss on our, on our social media pages, we'll get alerted to it. We have parents, teachers, principals all looking at it all day and night. So we'll get an alert right away. And you know, the other thing Michelle said that is great is learning from failure. That's literally on our wall in our district office as part of our values. So this, I make mistakes, why can't the students make mistakes? That's how you live, that's how you learn internships that's where you're supposed to make mistakes learn and grow so i don't check it i used to i don't even me saying this i don't even know who i am 10 years ago but trust me once you work with them you you grow to understand how skilled and talented they are uh so i don't 
I, I, am, I am just uh, really impressed with your level of trust and your level of risk. Um, and I'm even more impressed with your superintendent's comfort and your school board's comfort with all that. So I, I love it. What a success story. David, I'm sorry, I cut you off. You're gonna I, I was just going to add, while I don't have interns, so that's not my issue, but I do with my team, including in the work that I do, always advise having somebody else besides the person doing the writing take a look at it and it is it is that we all make mistakes and none of us are perfect even you know you do this work for 20 years and you spell things wrong or you don't get a sentence that makes sense so i always want to have somebody take a look at anything that i do yeah and i, we, I was gonna ask ryan, yeah. i'm sorry it's hard to tell ryan i was just gonna ask you when you say training is there some type of like maybe social media policy um guides that you share with your students like so they so there is some kind of standardization with like what's appropriate to post and what's not appropriate and how to handle all, i don't know a, a near perfect comment and that type of thing yeah and so there there are people that look at it and we do get to it and we do look at it we have our social media managers so they look at it so when somebody's done that event say they took some photos they'll upload those photos to google drive they'll put them in our in our facebook group where we all connect and chat and they'll say post approval so our social media managers will go in and look at it but everyone else has access to it so everyone's kind of reading it and critiquing and helping with it maybe rephrase this take out this word and in our weekly meetings we do workshops with them and we do work critiques. So we'll go over the Facebook page, we'll review captions. How could have this been written better? What kind of style should you use? So we're doing that constantly. And the benefit, some internships, they only start taking them junior or senior year or only college. I want high school freshmen. If I could have them in seventh grade, I would take them because they're with you three and four years. And by the time they're juniors and seniors, I could be out of this place for two months and not worry about a thing because they they've been doing it they have that experience now so how do kids get skills and fall in love with the field they they do it they have to experience it so that's kind of our philosophy and it's evolved it's taken us a while to get here and that's one of the biggest fears is people they love this but they a it's going to take them too much time to manage the interns or they have a superintendent or board members that say like we're going to have our students do this and I have an amazing superintendent and board. They, they were like, yes, do it. We'll figure it out as we go. If you try and figure out every detail before you start, you will never start. Which brings us to our next question. Um, what's the best advice? I think you just gave it for starting a high school internship. But um, so but maybe unpack this a little bit. Um, start with one or two or three students the first year and absolutely Barbara I always I used to say start with one but I think now start with two or three because they have a buddy they have some friends to kind of go through this experience with so start small don't start with 20 that's crazy we're kind of crazy here but we have systems in place and manager roles that have led us to this point where we can do this but start with two or three be very honest I've never done this before I've never had student interns we're gonna grow this internship together and the kids will love that it's something new it's never been done um, they can be a part of something and help it grow my first intern travis who was the one that helped me start it he um was amazing i knew we got recommendations and so like who do you go to go to your photography teachers your newspaper teachers uh, yearbook and say i'm looking for a couple kids you have any recommendations they'll give you some some rock stars to work with but Travis started it with me. We didn't know what we were doing, but I knew he was ambitious, flexible, and creative. Travis went on to USC. 
He's now started a multi-million dollar startup, SoundMind, that is for mental health and wellness that a partner he met with in D.C. Um, on this internship program in college. So he's now in schools with this research. It's like calm, but even more research-based. And they have whole mental health and wellness programs for school districts and helping with that. Um, so it's just been amazing to kind of see the evolution of where we started and kind of what's capable with it. Thank you for sharing that. That's that's some great advice. Um, I want to just pause and, and, I, and I want to ask a question and then we'll get back to the thought exchange. Um, Michelle, you had touched on um, the diversity um, challenge that you're you're perhaps not seeing as many diverse students or, or candidates come through the communications or PR program. And I just wanted to talk a little bit because it's so important for us to in in public education to be able to have a staff that reflects the diversity of the students we serve. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you are meeting that challenge? And I want to also go to David and Ryan in with, with kind of the same question. Well, there's two there's two challenges there. First of all, there's there's also the challenge that a lot of high school students don't even know what public relations is a career. Mm -hmm. I, I love that that you all are involved. In that, that that that's that's how they find out that they cross paths with someone who's done PR or, or know someone. So that's one challenge. And then also there's a there's the challenge too in terms of um, of students not having the confidence level to think they can do public relations, and particularly among diverse populations. Uh, they don't see that. And when we talk about diversity, I'm talking about, I have right now, I have two students in my program that are, or that have physical disability issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and they're wonderful. I have, um, I have a, a, a blind student. So we, we're, we've made, we've made a lot of way. We have, of course, students of color, um, students identify different, um, sexualities. So we, we have made a lot of progress, but there's still so much more of a need. So some ways we've, we've done that is, is first of all, like trying to connect with schools. Just to open their eyes to public relations careers first. Yeah. And then also to introduce my students that might look like them, sound like them, uh, you know, so they could see themselves in the, in the, in the program. So those, those were two ways. Um, and then just overall in terms of once they could come to college at Kent State, I work very closely with our exploratory major program. So those are students that haven't decided what they want to major in. Um, and then also with our freshman students. Um, because what happens is usually as uh, a lot of my majors discover PR junior senior year when they met somebody and, and, and you know they're they end up being minors so uh, first awareness of the PR career and I'd love to talk to you a little more about how to do that in high schools and then just learning to help students see themselves as a public relations professional and understanding what PR is too it's we're not just publicists you know understanding that you can work for social justice issues you can impact change you can do meaningful work for a nonprofit it's just educating them about those, those opportunities and why it's so important that we have diverse I always tell my students um, in my principal's class there's so many doors open for you you know just just because who you are and, and we need your voice and so a lot of it's just coaching and, and talking to these students and helping them see themselves in the in, in the role thank you thank you wonderful david sure i might just add to that um one i'm i'm in a fortunate position in that um i've always had a diverse staff just because of what i bring to the table um but we have high schools with journalism programs um if they're doing a good job with regard to recruitment of diverse students and diverse staff, 
then that can be a pipeline to folks continuing with that into into college and going forward. So thinking about working with our journalism teachers to make sure that they're reaching out to a broad spectrum of the kids in their school and making sure that they bring in candidates and, and students to work with and giving them leadership opportunities um, and that that's a diverse group that they're working with. Wonderful. Brian. Yeah, it's a great question, and we kind of talked about our interns last year about when we do we do applications and interview panels. We talked about diversity, and one thing we're primarily Asian district, so it kind of our demographic represents kind of our district. But one thing that I found fascinating over the years, we are probably ninety percent female to just very few males in this field. So that's been kind of interesting to look at. Why is that? Um, about that and it's really been steady through the years uh, very predominantly female in my in our internship program so we're trying to if anyone has any ideas why that may be or how we attract more males to the field um, you know I thought I was a cool role model to the kids that were in there I guess not so, but it, it's kind of it's kind of been fascinating for us to look at those ratios and those numbers and how do we make it more diverse and, and let people know about it. And I, I think uh, David and Michelle are right, too. You need to explain, too. There's so many jobs and opportunities in our field. And we explained, we had a great conversation recently, what is the difference between PR and marketing? Like, can you explain that? Um, and there's journalism, there's what we do, there's there's private sector, there's marketing, There you can be a publicist, a spokesperson, there's a lot in our field that you can do, uh, sports information director, That that's our field too, so explaining all these different paths you can go if you study public relations or journalism in college, and just because you study journalism doesn't mean you can't go right into public relations in college, so explaining all that, because it, it is... It's even some adults, they interchange marketing and public relations all the time. Mm -hmm. So we need to explain that, make that clear to people. Yep. Yeah, wonderful. Um, here's probably the toss this one to Ryan. Have you been able to use the interns to develop new upcoming social media channels? Maybe find a way to leverage TikTok. We've always had good conversations about using new social media. Uh, the where I like to do a little more data first is let's see how sustainable this is going to be. Years ago, we got on uh, what's called Weibo. It's kind of an Asian social media hybrid between Facebook and Twitter. And we did that. It was kind of suggested that we do that. And so tried it and it gained zero traction. And we realized that WeChat was where all the people were, not Weibo. So, and years ago, we talked about getting on Snapchat. And so we have the discussions with our interns. We're like, let's do it. Um, and so and I'm not opposed to it. We, we would be fine doing it. And I give our students access to Instagram and they can go live and they can do whatever they want if they're at an event. Um, so we have done it. They, they run some social medias. We haven't gotten into TikTok yet, but I know some districts are using it and using it uh, very effectively, actually. So um, it's a great question and one that I'm not opposed to, but we haven't gone there yet with like TikTok or Snapchat. Okay. Thank you. David, I'm going to toss this one to you. Some small districts have personnel wearing many hats and need to include PR as part of a position. Tops for this. What do you prioritize? Yeah, that one that was a challenge. We have lots of small districts here in Kansas that that have have that issue. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I didn't say this earlier, but 
one of the things as somebody I see myself as an educator and I see my one of my values along with opening up the district and our work to the community is supporting schools and supporting particularly principals and school buildings. And I believe since if I'm an educator, but I don't touch kids that I have to support the administrators and the teachers that do. So one of the ways that I do that is I always say if the community is going to find out about something, they should find out about it from us. When I started 25 years ago, we didn't have social media. It was really hard for us to email our families. So we depended on the media to communicate. Now we don't. And reporters will sometimes say, well, this is a story because your parents want to know. And I always feel like if my parents want to know, I will tell them and I don't need you to do that. So then we do that through when something happens in a school and our parents need to know about it. The communications department handles that and we do it for principals and it allows them to focus on what they do, which is taking care of their kids and taking care of their staff. And I think when you can talk about things like that, that can be a value that can bring value to schools. You get you can get some support. And I think, you know, the superintendent understands that because they're always thinking, who needs to know? How do I let my board know if communications? If you can say, look, we've got that. You focus on what you need to do. We'll take care of making sure that people know. And I at this point, since I've been doing this for a while and I've got a pretty good sized district, I have hundreds of different letters on different things that could happen. And very rarely does something happen that we haven't shared before. So we can pull from those. And in a matter of minutes, and we have the technology, we can get information out. That, in my mind, really helps with building relationships because our parents know they can depend on us. When something happens, they don't have to worry about turning on the news. We will tell them and we'll tell them whatever it is that we can tell them. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. I would also say, um, as an aside, it might be beneficial to have a communications audit done if you're unsure of where those priorities are. If you're um, kind of trying to start a uh, program uh, from the very beginning, um, and I think that segues nicely into our next question. Do you have any advice for someone who's the, who is the very first communications supervisor? Well, first of all, congratulations. Uh, we, we, we talked to a lot of folks who are just starting out um, as a new professional? How do you create parameters for your role, et cetera? Um, who would like I'll, to tackle this one? I'll start with that one. Um, really, you know, depend upon, and Barbara, you'll appreciate this, depend upon your colleagues around your state. Lean on, you know, in, in my state, it's Canspra, but lean on your local chapter because those are the people who have that experience and wisdom and they'll help you to shape the work that you do. There'll be people there whose roles are very similar in districts of similar size. Um, we've got, we, we meet monthly. We've got strong relationships. We're there for each other when we need support. Um, and as I say that's the first thing. Make those connections. Learn who those folks are. Join. Go to the meetings because they're going to really be there to support you. Absolutely. Yes, Michelle. I would just I would just add that you know if I'm thinking about this from a just a um, communications planning role is like do do some research, 
talk with, start with your internal audiences, talk, talk, talk with the teachers, the staff, the administrators, your, your, your students, and identify what are some communications challenges with them, like internally. Um, and then think, then of course, I think it started thinking externally with the, the families and the, the community leaders, the school board. I, I keep hearing school boards a big, uh, you know, big deal. Um, school, but, but, but do some research and do some listening there. And then that might help you to determine, okay, which one of the, which one of these problems can I have the most impact on? Which one do I need to have the most impact on? And then you'll also have something to back up why your priorities are that way. Cause my, my, I bet it's the same with, with any place, whether you're a school or an organization or a corporation. Different people want you to focus on different priorities because it helps, you know, and you need to be able to say, no, I need to focus on this priority because I have this research that's saying we need to do this now. So that that would be my, my advice from a planning's perspective. I love your reference to having a strategic communications plan that keeps you focused proactively on what the district needs. Hopefully it's aligned with your district-wide strategic plan. Yeah. Um, and that you can see some communications elements within that district strategic plan. Um, so important. Thank you, Michelle, for, for bringing that up. Ryan, what's your advice? Who is just starting out? Yeah, I love David's advice about joining the SPRAs. Uh, we're in CalSPRA. It's a great organization. That's where you network, connect, find your mentors, and really get advice. And you just beg, borrow, and steal, you know, hey, has anyone done a communication strategy plan? And you're going to get eight that will really inspire you and help you uh, join Enspra. If you're not a member of Enspra, Enspra, you guys are doing amazing things. I'm just super impressed with these webinars and the resources you have, your website. It's just full of information and resources. Without CalSPRA, Enspra, I would I would have been lost. Um, I was a journalist and made the transition to school PR, but learning all the acronyms and the jargon, I, I still can't keep up. But having those SPRAs and the national chapter is just an amazing resource. So, so look into those. There's a lot of, I do a school PR podcast, but there's other ones that are amazing out there. Uh, there's Facebook groups to join. So that's really where you connect and can dive deep into particular issues that you may have. Um, I was talking to, on, on my podcast about like, how do you get good at your job? Like, what are the resources? So I'm in school PR. How do I become the best school PR practitioner? And that's the skill set to learn how to do that. But it's participating. Everyone on here, you're doing a heck of a job because you're, this is professional development. You're getting better. So it's finding those resources and they're everywhere. And your SPRO, your state chapters and the national chapter, NSPRO, have done a great job of making it very easy for you to find all those resources. Uh, and and hang in there. That's that's uh, some some advice as well from some ex experienced folks here. We have a university in our city. Would you suggest we start with an intern at the collegiate level, high school level, or both? Michelle, what does your internship program look like at Kent State? We um we. The, the, each faculty member, each we have different sequences: journalism, public relations, advertising, and digital media production. So mm -hmm. we have a couple four sequences. So each sequence has their own internship coordinator, their faculty member, and we've pushed to keep that because we have the relationships um, in, in place. We require our we're an accredited program. We require one internship. We encourage students to do multiple internships. Mm -hmm. uh, we work with um, our our we try to identify what their career interests are and also where they maybe need to grow at because it is a you know, learning experience. And we and we require that the students work with a communications professional. It's not it, you know it's not a part time job where you're we're doing everything. You're working with someone that's going to look at your work and you're going to learn learn from it. So I guess my my recommendation would be for, um, 
look look to your university as a resource. We can actually help you maybe set up like some parameters for what, what an internship program should look like. Mm-hmm. And I think in a perfect world, it might be kind of cool to have a college intern and a high school intern starting mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And that college intern can get some leadership experience wow. in the high school student. Um, and, then, and they can all like look at each other's work and work, and work together. So that, that would be my recommendation. Yeah, love that idea. What great synergy that would be. Could I, David can Ryan? I, can I fight back on Michelle on this one? I'm, we're going to put on the gloves here real quick. <laughs> all right. I love, the par- I love the partnership with the high school and colleges for sure. If you're a school district and you have a university anywhere near you, get access, talk to them, see if you can just visit the campus, do anything. So just get those partnerships going. That's, that's where the value comes in for the students. But if you're working for a K-12, absolutely go to your, I mean, I'm not opposed to having college interns, but absolutely start with high school students and that's how they get the experience. So by the time they're in college, they're getting paid. They're not doing free internships or this Mm. or that. Get them going now. I'm telling you, you have students in your school districts that will just boggle your mind how skilled they are. They're doing vlogs. They're going out on their own doing photography. They're doing video animation, graphic design work that you would be so impressed with. It's just tapping into those resources. So I I love the college aspect too, but if you're working for a school district, why not provide an extra value Mm -hmm. to your own students and teach them? And that's where you build this role. Like, so, you know, take just our day-to-day crisis communications, branding and all that. We do all that, but now I'm providing a, basically a class and club for 25 students every semester, year after year after year. So the added value to our high school for that, it's another opportunity for students. So I, I would work within your own system for sure. And, and, I'm not, and, and I agree with you, uh, Ryan, just because you're opening these students' eyes to what a public relations job could look like. So, you know, that, 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 yeah. that, that, that's a win for the colleges, you know, to, and for a profession too, so. And then they can go to your college and major in public yeah, relations and journalism. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a win-win. Yeah. And um, I, I would just build yeah. on what, um, what Ryan said. Um, you know, we talk in our district about wanting our students to graduate high school prepared for college and careers. And one of the things we think about with career preparation is some kind of an internship. So if we're providing an internship for our students, not only are they supporting us, we're also giving support to them. And that kind of allows you to feed two birds with one scum. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, which is a great segue into the next question, which is what skills qualifications do you look for when hiring for school PR positions? Definitely an internship would be a wonderful um, uh, experience to have uh, when you're hiring. And I know, Michelle, you had uh, listed some great skills, active listening skills, conflict management, change management. Um, and David, you, you were saying that you really look for those folks who can make connections. Mm-hmm. Um, but what other skills, qualifications do you look for? I mean, do you, do you give folks a writing test when yeah. they come in the door? Make sure we, they can write well. We definitely do that, and we also, we've got a, a video team, so if that's what they're doing, we give them a task related to that. No, we want we want to see, you know, with whatever you're doing, if you're writing for us or if you're producing a video, not just do you have the technical, but how does it communicate? Mm-hmm. How do you tell a story? Are you able to, and this is hard to quantify, but synthesize things and give them back in a way that adds value and meaning to them? 
So we certainly, as a part of any interview that we'll do, there'll be a task associated with it. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Other skills, qualifications? Yeah, I think I agree with David said, you have to do those technical skills tests, make sure everyone usually does a press release or something like that. But I've, I've helped a few districts hire recently, um, which is a great, great thing that we're seeing this field grow. But yeah, you need to do some of those multimedia things with them and give them kind of a project, do a two minute video on our district and let's see kind of that, you know, beyond the press release of kind of those technical skills. But it's too, it's all about relationships. And I think David and Michelle both have mentioned this in the past hour, but you have to have those relationships because when a crisis is happening, you we can have all the technical skills and know how to put a re release out to the media or parents, but you need to get the information from the principal, from the police and build know how to build those relationships and, and have them trust you and spend time at the school sites and have the teachers trust you, the unions trust you. So you can have all the technical skills in the world, but if nobody's willing to talk to you and communicate with you, you're kind of left in isolation on your own. So it's about building relationships, community and culture to build that trust, to do everything else that's secondary with those tactical skills. Yeah. Great. You know, one other thing I just thought of is, is that, and it's hard to quantify exactly what I mean by this, but you know, when, when we give a task for someone who's coming in from outside of the system, they have the opportunity to look at other things that we've done with regard to communications. And I'm always interested in seeing if they're able to capture our voice, mm -hmm. if they're able to hear it and then reproduce it. Because sometimes people write well, but it doesn't sound like us, mm -hmm. you know, and there are other people that, 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 that have figured that out and have done the homework and said, okay, I've watched what you do. Here's how you share stories. So I'm going to use, you know, I'm going to connect to the voice. So I, that's something I pay attention to. I would also add to, and this is hard too, to, 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 to um, determine through interviewing, but um, do they have a passion for the work? Because nah. I, I sense that you, my research I've done that it, it, it's a challenging job working in K through three through twelve, and do they have pat you know they have passion for the work for the mission of the school, mm -hmm. and that I guess that will come through eventually. But if there's any type of conversations you can have, or uh, are they just looking for you know their first that that first job or that second job, or do they actually have passion to do some work? And and because I think we need I think we need those people in your schools. I think we need those people that that can help address some of these challenges that we're going to be facing. I think about just in Ohio. Um, um, we're all following what's going on in Florida, but Ohio is this le that legislation is coming through too. And I'm thinking we need PR people to help people understand what that could mean for our student, for your, I call them our students, or your students. Um, so that would be one other thing I would add. Yeah, and Michelle, one of the ways maybe that that you get at that, and the last person that we hired had it was so obvious that they had strong passion for the work, and you know that question of so why here? Why do you want to work for a school district? And just seeing what they say. And for some people, it's obviously, it's a job. It's, you know, I saw the job on LinkedIn or whatever. But for some people, it's, I want to tell these kinds of stories. These are important to me. And I think that can be really valuable. Yeah, and as Barbara said earlier, like, look, our field is growing, but there's a lot of burnout. And we've seen a lot of people leave after the pandemic. They were done with it because they took all the complaints. They were putting out all the releases. So. That's a great point about making sure you're passionate because this is the, the best job in every school district is this job, but it can yeah. be one of the toughest and loneliest too. So if you're not, your heart's not in it, it may not be a good fit for either party. So that's a good right. point to, to see if that is a passion fit. 
which really speaks to having a support system too um, when the work gets really hard. Um, really important to have that support system around you in your state SPRA or a mentor through NSPRA. Yeah. Uh, last question, because we're coming up to our the time that we need to end. What type of credit do students receive for an internship? Is it basically a teacher's aid? For us, again, they've really never asked for anything for mm -hmm. money, credit, work experience. Um, they're doing it, and we kind of run it as like an after-school club. So. Uh, and again, there's different structures. Some do it during the day as a class through CTE. We do it, run it after school, kind of like a club, although it is an internship. So that way they don't, they don't need to supplement a class that they may want to take or an AP or something like that. Um, so they probably could get credit or another school system could do it. There's a million ways to set it up. But we run it after class, uh, after school, go to them to make it easy for them. And then, you know, during finals week and all that stuff, we, we tell them, you know, concentrate on school, do all that during breaks. Uh, we let them do, the, do their own thing. Um, so we, it's not a four credit. They don't get a grade. They don't get anything like that. But again, a lot of them have gone on to the field. Somebody asked the question in the chat if any of them got into school PR. Not yet, but um, I'm hoping and uh, we'll get there soon for sure. That would be a wonderful day. Mm -hmm. That would be full circle moment. Yes. That's great. Wonderful. Um, well, I, I hate to end this discussion because I feel like we could go on and on and on. Um, thank you so much to all of our panelists. Uh, we've learned today that the pipeline to school PR is strong, right? Um, but it will take involvement from all of us to keep it that way. Let's start those high school internship programs and work with our colleges to get more people into the pipeline. Of course, if you'd like to listen again to this great conversation, it will be archived in our on-demand library under the Professional Development tab. And the link of this recording will be sent to everyone who has been participating on this call in a few days. And finally, I want to thank each of you for listening and participating in this Leaders Learn webinar.